If you're able to remain standing, remain standing, take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 1. John 1, our text tonight will be verses 15 through 18, but we'll read beginning at verse 14 through verse 18. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the Word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verse 14 of John chapter 1. We have just read it and we learned three things about Christ, the eternal Word. How Christ, the eternal Word, took upon Himself flesh and tabernacled among men. How Christ, the eternal Word, displays the glory of God. And how in Christ, the eternal Word, is found God's grace and truth. And so tonight, we come to the last four verses of the, of the prologue of John's Gospel. As we have been considering the prologue over the last few weeks, the the prologue of this gospel presents to us two very important doctrines. The first, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, is divine. He is God. The second is that the Word of God, Jesus Christ, is man. Now we understand that these two doctrines of Jesus being fully God and and fully man. Two natures and and one person. How important these doctrines are. If we do not believe in the divinity of Christ, then we do not have true saving faith in Christ. If we do not believe in the humanity of Christ, then we do not have true saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so again, these four verses that are before us tonight, John again presents these doctrines to us. Our shorter catechism question and answer 21 concerning who is the Redeemer of God's elect says this, Jesus Christ is the only Redeemer of God's elect who, being the eternal Son of God, became man and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person. 
forever. This is the Christ that John presents to us. The Word that has become flesh. The Word that dwelt among us in this world. And so there are three things I want us to see tonight from our text. And the first is this. John the Apostle shows us how John the Baptist bore witness of Christ. Now we get the introduction of that tonight. Next week, Lord willing, we will see in more detail the witness that John the Baptist bore. But notice what we read in verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. John the Baptist came bearing witness of what we have already learned from the prologue that Jesus Christ is God. When John the Baptist came on the scene, he bore witness of Christ by exalting Christ. We know that it was asked of him, are you the Christ? And he answered no. He exalted, he exalted Christ and John took a back seat. He bore witness about Him. He cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. You see, John the Baptist saw the uniqueness and the greatness of Jesus. He knew of it in the womb. When Mary came to visit Elizabeth, John's mother, John the, the, the baby, John the Baptist was in the womb cutting cartwheels because he was in the presence of his Lord. From the very beginning of his life, he was exalting Christ. He recognized who Christ was. He recognized what all of Israel should have recognized. That Jesus is the Christ. That He was that long-awaited Messiah. That all the prophets prophesied about and promised would come. Now we know from the other Gospels that John the Baptist came as the voice of one crying in the wilderness. As we will see next week, and John has asked the question, are, are you Elijah? He came as Elijah. He came in that role to proclaim the greatness of the Messiah. For the coming of the Messiah. John exclaims, he who comes after me ranks before me. Another way of, of saying that he who comes after me is preferred before me. That saying John is bearing witness to the supreme excellency of Christ. Now, how can it be that one who the one who comes after John is preferred before John? Well, again, John recognized that Jesus is the Christ. He exalted Christ, he exalted him as Savior. He knew that Christ would come and bring salvation for many people. In verse 29 of this same chapter, we will hear these words Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, John the Baptist recognized his place in the plan of redemption. He recognized that his job was to go before the Messiah to proclaim him. 
to prepare Israel for the coming of the Christ. And he recognized the one through, through whom redemption would come. And he says that he is to be preferred because he was before John. Now, who was physically older, John or Jesus? It was John. But he says here, he was before me. Now, we know what he is saying. He is speaking of the uniqueness of Jesus compared to John. As one commentator states, John the Baptist was impressed with the uniqueness of Christ's person. And the phrase should therefore mean that Jesus was entirely without historical origins. He was pre-existent. This is clearly the equivalent of declaring Him to be God. And that's what John is doing. He is saying that the one who comes after Him, who was before Him, is God. And so the most, most important thing to be said about Christ is that very fact that He is without any historical beginnings. And, and again, that is calling Him God that has come in the flesh. Everything Christ did and said takes its meaning from this truth and flows from it. And this is what John the Baptist declared. He is God. He is God come in the flesh. In Matthew's Gospel, the Baptist says this, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist recognized who Christ was. He knew well He was sent ahead of the Christ to bear witness, to cry out unto all of Israel so that they would be prepared when Jesus would come on the scene and begin His earthly ministry. But then there's a second thing we see here tonight in verses 16 and 17. And it is this, that from Christ we receive grace upon grace. Verse 16, for from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we're going to see here a contrast that is being made between the law and the gospel of Christ. The contrast is drawn between what was given by Moses and what came through Jesus. Now what was given by Moses? The law of God. When we think of the law of God, we normally think of the Ten Commandments. That was the, the greatest part of the law of God, the moral law. Again, a reminder that moral law was given to a redeemed people, Israel. We know there was a ceremonial law as well. We know that there was even the civil law that God gave to Israel. But we first need to realize as we talk about law and grace that all men receive some grace from God. We know that the sun shines on the wicked and the just. The rain comes from the farmer who believes in Christ and the one who does not. God gives good things in this life to wicked People and, and Christ is the unique source of God's grace, whether it is that common grace or, or the special grace that saves His people. 
And because of that, all people should glorify and praise the Lord Jesus. Now we know that they do not. We know that those who are in darkness, they will never praise Christ. They will never glorify Him unless first God enables them to do that by giving them a new heart. But as John brings out this contrast, he he tells us that the law was given by God to Moses, and Moses then gave God's law to God's people. And as God gave His law, what was He doing? He was manifesting Himself in the law. You remember after that great scene of the law being given, the smoke and everything surrounding the the mountain, and what did Israel ask? That God never again speak to them directly. That Moses would be the mouthpiece of God. Why? Because in the law, God was manifested. With the law came fear and trembling. Hebrews 2, verse 2, every Transgression and disobedience received a just reward. The law condemns all men to hell. For none of us here tonight can come close to keeping the law of God, that perfect standard that God has given. But with the first advent of our Lord and His perfect keeping of the law, we no longer fear God, but we see the law and we run to Christ. And so John reminds us that the grace of God has come to us through the Lord Jesus. Now what is that contrast between the law and grace? Well, the law addresses men as members of the old creation. The law makes men members of the new, or or grace makes men members of the new creation. The law manifested what is in man, that is sin. That's one of the things the law does. Paul tells us that in Romans 7. If not for the law of God, he would not have known what sin was, and especially the tenth commandment that brought it all home for him you shall not covet. And so the law, when we see it and hear it, it manifests what is in us, and that is sin. Grace manifests what is in God, and that is love. Love to unworthy sinners. The law demands righteousness from men. Grace brings righteousness to men. When we think back to our first parents, we know that they were created in righteousness and holiness. They they could follow God if they so chose to do so. We know that at the same time they were created in such a way that they had the possibility of falling. And God in the garden gave them the moral law. You shall not eat of you, you may eat of any tree of the garden but one. He told them they were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for the day they ate of it. They would surely die. And so when they ate of that tree and they sinned and they brought all of their posterity into that uh, state of sin and misery, then, then the law demanded righteousness from us. But grace brings righteousness. 
The law sentences a living man to death. Grace brings a dead man to life. Again, how do we know that we are sinners? By looking to the Ten Commandments. By seeing those ten words that God set down for His people. And we looked at the first one and we said guilty. The second, we're guilty because we don't worship God in the way He commands us. The third, the fourth, all the way to the tenth. And we saw that for every one of those commandments, we are guilty before God. We have transgressed every one in thought and word and in deed. And we deserve that sentence of death. For the wages of sin is death, Paul tells us. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so grace brings dead men to life. The law speaks what men must do for God. Grace tells us what Christ has done for us. Now, are we to live by the law of God as believers? Yes, we are. Those ten words, those ten commandments, it is a means of sanctification. We are to live by them. It's what we must do for God. But again, we could not give God that perfect obedience. That's why Christ had to come. And, and He came and He did that which we couldn't. He, he came and He gave the Father perfect obedience to His law. And then He took that perfect obedience to the cross and He died for our sins. And, and we know this because of grace. Law gives a knowledge of sin. Grace puts away sin. Aren't you glad that grace puts away sin? You know, we have confessed tonight that we have sinned. And we have. This is the holy day of the week, but we're still sinners and we still struggle and we have sinned, but grace has put it away from us. The law brought God out to men. Grace brings men to God. And so John wants us to see that the law was given through Moses. It is a good and righteous law, but yet it condemns us. And the grace of God has been given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only the grace of God, the truth of God. Is this not what the whole prologue has been about? The, the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now is John saying that before Christ came, the truth of God wasn't known? Not at all. God gave His Word to His people. We have all the Old Testament. Jesus, when He came to this, to this earth... What did he study? He wasn't the New Testament. It was the Old. He would study the Word. But in Christ, the truth has taken upon flesh. In Christ, the, the truth was manifested before the eyes and ears of men who lived upon this earth. The truth of God. Is there truth? Yes, there is. Truth is not relative. 
God is truth. Christ is truth. And then third of all, in verse 18, John tells us that Christ has made the Father known. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Now, do all men have a a knowledge of God? The answer is yes. Even those who do not believe, they they have a knowledge that there is a God. Where do they get this? It comes, first of all, through creation. Again, we can't escape that, can we? Creation, creation, creation. Paul tells us in Romans 1 that all men know that God has created. But what do they do in their unrighteousness? They suppress that truth because they don't want to answer to a Creator. Because if there is no creator and we're products of chance, then we can do what we want, we can live how we want, and there's no repercussions to it. But the Bible tells us something differently. That God is our creator, and as our creator, our maker, as the potter, and we are the clay, He can do with us what He wants, but we are called to give honor and glory to the God who has created us. And so all men everywhere know that there is a God through creation. But that knowledge is not sufficient for salvation. You know, in every people group throughout this world, throughout the ages, they all have worshipped something, some deity. There is a knowledge of God within every man. Yes, that knowledge has, has been, has, has been uh, greatly affected by the fall, but it is still there. All our knowledge before our regeneration was tainted with sin and, and darkness. But John reminds us that true knowledge comes through knowing Christ. He reminds us there, no one has ever seen God. Turn back with me to to Exodus 33. Moses is interceding. He's having a conversation with God, praying, and God is replying. He asked in verse 15, he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people in the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock 
And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Moses wanted to see the glory of God and God said, you can't. Sinful man cannot see the the unfiltered glory of the holy God that we worship tonight because if we do, we will be consumed in, in His wrath. And so God is protecting Moses. He's caring for Moses. But as we go back to John's Gospel, what do we learn? We learn that the glory of God has been fully seen in Christ. As that verse continues, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, Jesus, the Word, the eternal Word, has made Him known. If you want to see the glory of God, then you see the glory of Jesus. In verse 18, John brings to a conclusion all that he has been saying throughout his prologue. Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, came in human flesh to declare to us God. He came to declare to sinful humanity that in the darkness of sin, there is hope. There is hope for sin. There is hope for despair. There is hope for man's broken relationship with God. There is hope. For that deceitful knowledge that man has about himself and creation. And this hope, this knowledge comes only through Jesus. And so what application can we make here this evening? First we see and hear tonight that John the Baptist came bearing witness to the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. But we too, as His people, we we have a duty to proclaim and bear witness of Jesus. We are called to proclaim Christ to this world. Now, how will that look? Well, for some, it will be one-on-one opportunities. For others, it's preaching. For others, it may be handing out the tracts on the back table. Have you been doing that? Some are missing and I need to make more copies. And that's good, but I hope you're handing them out. Are you leaving them places? You never know what God will use when His Word is put forth. We are to proclaim Christ to this world. We are to proclaim what we have learned in the prologue that Jesus is fully man and fully God. Once... strong, sound denominations who held to both of those doctrines, they have forsaken them. Oh, they may believe that Jesus is a good teacher, a good prophet, that He was a man come and sent by God, but how can He be both God and man? Well, He can be both because God tells us He is. We are to proclaim what we have heard tonight, that grace and truth only comes through Jesus. Again, there is only one religion in this world. Only one saving religion, and that is biblical 
Christianity. There's no other. We are to be proclaiming that grace and truth comes only through Christ. And we are called to bear witness of the one, Jesus, who has died and who has saved us from our sin and our darkness and our ignorance. And who has rose again from the dead so that we one day will be raised from the dead. This is what God calls us to do. We are to go out and to tell the world. Second, grace and truth has come to man through Jesus Christ. Grace, God's unmerited favor, we know that well. And we're so grateful tonight for grace. If you're not grateful for the grace of God, then then there's something wrong with you. But truth has come to us through Christ. The truth of God. The fact that God is real, that He has condescended to men, that He saves sinners. We learn through Jesus that God is gracious to sinners, that God is truth, that He does not lie, that He does not deceive. He he cannot even do those things because it goes against His very nature as God. And so for us, the question is this. The question for you tonight. Do you know the grace and truth that comes through Jesus Christ? Do you know of that grace that has come to us through Christ? Do you know of the truth of God that has come to us through Christ? If not, then as we have heard about the law tonight and we have contrasted the law with grace, know this, the law condemns you. If you're not in Christ tonight, go read the Ten Commandments this evening. And as you read them, I pray the Holy Spirit would convict you that you have broken every one. Because you have. But in Christ, you are declared righteous through His righteousness. Jesus Christ, as we have seen throughout these verses of John's Gospel, is the Word of God. He was with God and He is God. He became flesh and He tabernacled among us and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ has declared God to us. He has shown to us who God is. And so in order to have that knowledge of God, we must know Christ. And the only way to know Christ is to come to Him in faith and repentance. Again, it always comes back to those two things. Faith and repentance. Do you trust in Jesus and Him alone for your salvation as He has offered to you in the Gospel? Have you turned from your sins To trust in Jesus. These two things go hand in hand. And these two things are gifts from God. And so if God is calling you to His Son, then come. Come trusting solely in Christ and no one else. Come as you turn from your sins. For from the fullness of Christ, we have all received grace. Upon grace. May God add His blessing to the reading 
hearing and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word. And we thank You that You sent Your Son to this earth to save rotten, wicked sinners such as ourselves. And Father, I pray for any who are here tonight that does not know Christ, that at this very moment Your Holy Spirit will be at work in them, changing their hearts, removing their heart of stone, giving to them a heart of flesh, whereby they see their sin and they turn from that sin and they trust solely in Jesus to save them. And oh Lord, we thank You that in and through Christ we know of You. We know of who God is and what He has done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.